Hey, one more thing before you go. Do you want to embark on a journey of self-discovery, a path towards unlocking your true potential and harnessing the power that lies within you? Do you want to learn why our true power doesn't come from wearing a mask of strength? In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with a wonderful woman who is going to show us how to transform ourselves by connecting with our authentic selves and unlocking a wellspring of creativity, passion, and resilience that can lead you to profound fulfillment. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Audrea Firestone. She's a speaker, a best-selling author, and a certified rapid results coach. She's a leading consultant for presentation skills and an innovator in personal and professional development. She has decades of international award-winning performance, media experience, and coaching the vocal, visual, and verbal aspects of presentation. She's great at accents, too. <laughs> Audrea's stage credits range from Carmen in Bizet's opera to Family Guy. She has been published in the Wall Street Journal, The Huffington Post, Women's Day, and was featured on Ray TV, News 12, and Telemundo. It's her purpose and passion to guide you towards embracing the power that comes from deep spiritual connection and confidence. Welcome to the show, Audrey. Thank you, Michael. I'm so happy to be here. What an amazing opportunity that you've had in your life journey to bring about the tools and the inspiration and the motivation to help people move forward in their lives when they hit the point that they need it. I find that that mission pulls me by the heart. And it's something that because I was defining myself by what I did for more than half my life, and then walking off stage and asking myself, who on earth am I now? And what am I still doing here? Mm. And, and if I'm still here, wait a minute, I have to do something else. I thought that my purpose was to sing and I sang to thousands and thousands and thousands of people all over this planet. But I've realized that, that my soul made some sort of soul contract before I came here. And I feel that my mission now is to hold up a mirror to everyone that I encounter and say, do you see how magnificent you are? And do you realize how much power you have that every choice that you make, you're designing your life, even when you don't make a choice, because that's a choice as well. And so that, that mission, that realization that there was something so much deeper and something so much more than I thought has surprised me and excited me. And it's also very humbling. I'm saying, okay, let me gather the basket of what I've learned and, and let's see how to make something wonderful out of it. And I think it's brilliant. I think that, that you've done that. You know, some, some of us, we talked about this right before we started, you know, sometimes we get presented with an opportunity to redefine our purpose. And, and sometimes, you know, although some, some is, sometimes it's presented unexpectedly, sometimes yes. it's a choice. And during that time period, I think that we, 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 may, we may bucket the system, buck the system, not bucket. <laughs> we may buck the system and we may say, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to do this. Myself, I, we talked about this. You know, 
I was a sergeant. I was going to be a lieutenant. I was going to move up the line, be a chief, and retire as a chief. Yep. That's mm -hmm. who I was. And I, my purpose at that time, my career, almost 17 years in law enforcement, that was my purpose. And then yes. I was abruptly presented with the opportunity that you have to redesign, redefine your purpose. I did it kicking and fighting, but once I did it, I realized <laughs> that I, I was able to do it. I, I went past the fear and mm. I realized that, yeah, exactly. It, you, once you get past that, and you, get, you have tools, say we're going to talk about all this, but you, you present the opportunity for people to get past things like that and to understand yes. that redefining your purpose shouldn't be fearful. It should be an embracement in the fact that we can move our life forward in a very positive way and effectuate something that's much more magnificent, like you did, where you reach a, an audience and you reach a wider audience, you know, in a different way, maybe yes. than your singing in your, your, yes. your performance abilities, but you, you, you change people's lives. You know, <laughs> I never, never would have had the opportunity to have the conversations I've had all over the world and share this message all over the world if I was still a police officer. So right. redefining right. ourselves is a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing sometimes. And finding new purpose at any age, you can find it's new purpose. It's possible at any age, and especially I think that midlife is something, it can be magical. Instead of saying, yeah. oh, all my passion, my drive to get ahead and to do this, and I have these goals in front of me, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, you know, I'm not so worried about what someone thinks about the shape of my nose or the color of my eyes. Who cares? If they like me, that's fine. If they don't like me, basta. It's fine. It's okay. So what happens is there's um, a modicum of freedom that comes in from societal shoulds. You start really realizing how domesticated you've been and you, you start there's something inside if if you have the ears if you're willing to get quiet and to listen that your soul is whispering and that your heart is asking for something more and it's no longer let me just go one step higher in my business it's that something in here something in here that is connected to the much larger is asking yeah. i want to be fulfilled and and i think that many women especially, we have been taught by society to take care of others. And what happens is you start taking care of everyone else and you find not only are you not on the top of the list, you're not even on the list anymore. And so your heart starts clamoring and it wants more. And, and the wanting more gives us an opportunity to open our hearts and our minds to something new, to something deeper and higher and broader. And it is, it's tremendously exciting. It's tremendously exciting because we know, we take away some of the societal shoulds, some of the scaffolding that is erected by society to keep us in line, falls away in midlife. And so you become wonderfully dangerous and more adventurous. <laughs> then all sorts of exciting doors can open. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, society and culture has a way of kind of uh, uh, putting us in a box sometimes. And domestication, and, exactly. So yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with that. Speaking of domestication, 
I like to start at the beginning. So, and I know you ran away at 10 years old to join the circus, but <laughs> let, let's talk about that. Where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in Miami. I was born in LA and I was raised in Florida, in Miami. And I never realized why I ran away to the circus because, you know, the bright lights, of course, beautiful costumes, gorgeous music, except my music was the music of Giuseppe Verdi and Puccini and Sondheim and Rogers and Hammerstein. And once I found the stage, I was 10 years old and I won a scholarship to Berry College and it was a summer workshop. And my first makeup lesson was when I was 10 years old in stage makeup. And when I walked on stage, I remember sitting in this darkened auditorium and seeing this girl who was on stage and she was singing, would you like to swing on a star? And I was watching her and I was saying, ooh, I wanna do that. <laughs> and it was all over. I mean, literally for more than half my life, for four decades of my life, I was on stage and everything from straight theater to singing in nightclubs, doing a one-woman show to put myself through college. I, I did vaudeville on, <laughs> on Lincoln Road in Miami Beach. I sang at every hotel on Miami Beach. And then I realized that it was time to take this farther. And I went to Italy, and that's where I really discovered my voice. And um, my conductor, my very first conductor, Dr. Paul Chonka, and he was um, it, with Palm Beach Opera. And he said, when I came back, he said to me, what did you do, Adria? Did you swallow a microphone? <laughs> so obviously, I found my voice in Milano. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It, it was the gift of my career was extraordinary. It gave me the entire world. Well, you know, it gave it, me the world. They say you, you find love. You go to Italy, you find love. Well, you, you found love, right? I did. I found this wonderful Navy commander, Gerald Wilson Cook, and he actually knew my mother, grandmother, and aunt before what? I was ever born. He was Ooh. older than I. He was a an art history maniac. Jerry taught me so much. The first day when when we met each other, um, he took me when we, he, my teacher. I got sick. My teacher in Milano said, "Milano is cold and it's foggy." Adria, go to Napoli. Go to Naples. You'll have a wonderful time. So I meet Jerry for the first time in Naples. On the first day, he takes me to Pompeii, Ercolano and Anna Capri. Well, my tongue was hanging out, my eyes were crossed, and I, if you would have asked me my name, I was so overwhelmed with the beauty of what I saw. The first time I saw the Amalfi Coast, I burst into tears, Michael. Every it, it time we just, see it on TV, we burst into tears. We want, it, we want to go there, we have a year. It's so gorgeous, <laughs> it is so gorgeous, it's breathtaking. It's just breathtaking. And we were driving a little Alfa Romeo, you know, it was, it was just so much fun. It was so much fun. It was an extraordinary adventure. And then we Wait. lived in Stresa for a year when I was traveling down to Milano and taking two and three lessons a week. So it was, what an adventure. What an adventure. What an amazing first date. <laughs> That's 
I mean, who, who can top that, right? <laughs> very few. Very and few, I promise you. It's like, you just took me to the movies. Let me tell you about my first date. Let me tell you about my first date. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Well, well, and, and in a sense, you kinda, you've kind of found two loves there because you, you, you found the, your love of music more in-depth yes. and, and yes. Your, your opportunity. I mean, performance is you're part of your soul i think that it from what i can see that radiates from you for those that are listening and not watching you need to watch the video is that you know you radiate it when you talk about it it just exudes from you well there was such i didn't realize michael like what has happened to you in your life mine wasn't an accident or an, an incident but it was a place the stage saved my life those lights and that stage it moves me every time i talk about it when i was on that stage i escaped a life that i didn't even realize the abuse that i was going through i had no idea because i didn't know anything else so all i found was the embracing arms of those boards and those stage lights. And I was safe when I was on stage. And not only was I safe, I could turn pain into beauty every single day with every note, with every word. And that, that saved me. I know that in Michael, I wouldn't have survived. I would not have survived if I did not have that outlet on, on stage, I could scream as long as I screamed on pitch and I followed the beat of the conductor. And then I won awards for being angry, <laughs> for screaming at the world. So it was an, an amazing adventure uh, and, and it saved my life. Now, of course, I realized this in hindsight, you know, yeah. while we're going through this, we have no idea what we're going through. It, it, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we have to reflect back on our life and see what we've accomplished and what, and what where we went through. Um, I respect that you've came out of that. I, I came from a dysfunctional family myself, and both my parents mm. were alcoholics. My father died. My father was 39 when he died, and Ooh. so I grew up pretty much without a father. But I did grow up with a, a, a well, that Italian brother-in-law we talked about. He was my he, he was my older brother figure. Right. Right, right, right. But I right, realized yes. when I look at that, you know, there were so many things that he did teach me that I brought forward from that, and that's what gave me my motivation even to get into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And you know, mm -hmm. within that time period, I look back, I started working domestic violence. I worked mm. a, a specific task force for domestic violence, a multi-agency wow. task force. So, not that any domestic violence is good; it's all bad. But we yeah. worked the worst cases of domestic oh. violence. They're, they're really, really bad people. And, oh. I, and, and I say people because men and women are. are yes, of course. But they're both uh, the abuser as well as the victim within these situations. It's a dance. Yes. It is a dance. Yes. So, yes. from that perspective, um, you know, I, I can testify to the fact and validate that not everybody comes out on top. Mm -mm. And, you know, in certain situations, when you grew up in this, some of these environments, you know, not everybody has the opportunity. You grasp something that you saw, and luckily the universe put you in the right place at the right time. 
I grabbed it with both hands. And, yeah. and, and because I loved my Italian grandmother so much, and she's the one who taught me, told me all the stories of the operas. Well, she brainwashed mm. me completely. I loved her and she loved opera. So simple, right? If exactly. I, and let me say, I can make that noise. <laughs> and lo and behold, I could. And, and um, so that's where it started because she was my protector. She was the one who, when I couldn't breathe in bed with asthma, Nina was there for me. She was no, there. Nona Nina. Nina, non Nina, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, she was there. And, and, and that, that inspired me, but also loving someone who loved something so much, not in an elegant United States way, right. but she was from Calabria, Italy. And to her, opera was... Uh, a cart, a donkey cart with a whole bunch of performers that had been traveling all day and were smelly and hungry when they jumped out of the cart and they would be fed by the town and then they would give a performance of Pagliacci. And it was great fun and it was enormous. It wasn't that you put on a gorgeous evening gown and oh, spend $500 for a ticket. It was real earthy. So yeah, very cool. I get it. I have a different viewpoint about opera. That was very cool, very cool. And obviously your your career ran for a very very long time i mean long time i respect long time. i respect uh, when i say this you don't have to answer it um we're gonna we'll we'll work it this way how long were you in opera <laughs> 40 years See, 40 years obviously that's something that was an, an integrated you know part of your soul your body yes. your soul your mind yes. body and your soul and and music theater as well i always had one foot in on both on each road and i would get chided by whoever i was working with the opera conductors would say you're sounding so poppy miss firestone and i would say give me a couple of days that'll go away don't worry it's just style healthy singing is healthy singing it's just the same thing don't worry and then the the um um the other um uh, side of it would be um musical theater people saying oh she's an opera singer i bet she won't repeat this scene 10 times until she gets it right and of course i would i didn't have any such illusions mm, that's funny i am trashy show folk <laughs> and so proud of it i am so proud of it oh that's funny that's cool. yeah one one side of the fence and the other side of the fence yeah that's <laughs> that's cool I, I mean i i have dealt with some of those individuals we will say on different mm -hmm, levels mm -hmm. Even when I did security for somebody, I, I did security for my Kalmarzhnikov. And I had wow. to keep, yeah, I had to keep, it, it was a magnificent to watch this individual to perform. It was one of those things that uh, I was supposed to be watching the audience, but I was transfixed <laughs> I on the, the stage because it was like, wow, you know? Magic, absolute so, magic. Um, <clears throat> it, I mean, a little bit different than that, but it was, it, it's difficult when you really get involved in the arts and you get transfixed in that arena and, and it's part of your soul and it's part of your body and you resonate with it at such a deep level that you can't help yourself. But to say, I want to participate in all aspects of it because mm -hmm. to me, that's a wide diverse opportunity for you to really experience life. Look how many times you got to do a character where you got to experience 
life ah, from a different perspective or a different absolutely i wore so many masks and like i said to you when we were talking earlier i in many ways i was hiding in the spotlight because exactly. i had so many yeah. masks over my face that yeah. i didn't often allow just adria out there it was a carmen it was an omnetis it was this character it was you know all of these fabulous fabulous interesting characters of course, through the filter of me, but nevertheless, you still are wearing a mask. So the challenge was how courageous was I? Was I courageous enough to actually take off the mask? Ah! <laughs> there lies the question. <laughs> Almost Shakespeare, instead of to be or not to be, to take the mask off or not to take the mask off. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, I think that, you know, it, it, I'm alluding to the, the reason I brought that up, because I know that you talk about, you know, uh, in your courses and in your books and things like this that you've put out about taking off that mask, because I think we all, yes. we don't have to be in, a performer to, mm -hmm. to have a mask over our face. I mean, I went through, we talked about domestic violence. Yes. I have seen too many people that were, that grew up in a domestic violence environment or were in a domestic violence environment, for example, that was wearing a mask. And they wore that mask to protect themselves and to protect yes. those around them. And then yes. once we removed them from that situation, it was it, it took some time, but they were able to move, remove that mask and become themselves. And, and yes. you finally get to see the person that was behind that mask that had it on for so long. That's the reason yes. most people, you know, you, depression, they have a mask. You know, you look at somebody that's depressed. Robin Williams is a perfect example. Oh. Robin Williams, basically, Everything we saw of Robin Williams was a brilliant comedian that could take anything and brilliant. run with it. Oh, it oh. You know, and, and it and it it was all hidden behind depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and we we didn't know this until the unfortunate end, and all of a sudden that came through. Right. Right. And we as as when I say as regular individuals, I mean somebody that's not in the spotlight, somebody that. That's not on stage. Somebody is not walking right. the boards. Somebody that's not, you know, sitting in front of a clapboard. You know, it. It's it, you don't have to be in that position to have a mask on and have to understand how to take that mask off and not understand the tools necessary, or the fact that you don't have to walk the journey alone. That you can have somebody hold your hand or push you from behind or pull you from from the front. Yes, say, you know, you're not alone. That I can bring you with along this journey so that you mm -hmm. don't have mm -hmm. to walk it alone. So mm -hmm. I think that at what point um, in, in your, I say what point, I say, yeah, I can say in your life, I, I know you, you love performing. I can see that. I can hear that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. at what point in your life did you decide that, you know, maybe I need to, to kind of you know, take that mask off, get to know myself a little bit more, and then evolve that into helping others remove that mask? May I get a little woo-woo? You can get a lot woo-woo. It's okay. This is an open and honest conversation. <laughs> a, we talk good, about woo-woo all the time. <laughs> all the time. All right. So, and your middle name is woo-woo. I know that. So You do. You what, figure. <laughs> that was I, I am, secret. I am very a sneaky too, you know. You I think can, I'm not sneaky, <laughs> but I'm very, 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 very sneaky. Okay. So, well, I was in Cordoba, and um, I was getting ready to do a Carmen. And uh, Carmen doesn't come on until about 20 minutes into the opera. So I had a, my leg up on a stage ladder and I was doing my usual yoga. And I heard a voice. 
It wasn't a masculine voice or a feminine voice. It was just this very clear voice. And it said, this is the last Carmen you will ever do. <laughs> and interesting. I froze. I just froze. I, I had no idea what to do with that information because, Michael, I knew I was hearing the truth. And I thought, what am I going to do? Am I going to go out on stage and absolutely lose it and sob through, through the whole performance? What am I going to do? And I, I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, excuse me, Miss Firestone, you're a professional. Go out there and do your job. The show and I did. Out. Yeah, and I just knew that that was the truth. And within 24 months, I had wrapped up all the rest of my contracts. I didn't sign anymore. And Michael, I mean, I did something that is literally crazy. I simply walked off stage. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just stopped. And then I like to say that I was 50 going about 90 miles an hour, and I crashed and I burned. And I didn't know who I was at that point because I had defined myself for so long as a performer, as a singer, as an actor, as a, who am I? And, and what am I doing here? And why am I still here? And do I have any use at all at this point? So there was enormous depression. And then at the same time, fear enormous fear. And I think, by the way, that fear can be used as a gadfly. If you allow it to sting you enough, it'll get you into motion. Yes. And what, yeah. And, and what happened was it made me start a million projects because at the time I didn't have the presence of heart, the presence of heart to be quiet to sit there silently and allow something to come to me. So I started wild doing of things. And the doing was, I began teaching at a university um, because I'd always been the leading lady, but the person that everyone came to in a cast to talk to about their lives. So I became a coach. I went to school and became a coach. And then I started a construction business for my husband because he was a wonderful carpenter. And I, I didn't know anything about construction, but I learned fast. And, and I started writing books. And I started all these projects in an attempt to make myself more, I guess, comfortable. And, and by the way, it doesn't work. <laughs> you don't get more comfortable. You, you get you get more confused and and you don't really understand what you're doing here until you have the faith to become quiet and still and to begin to listen instead of the fear making you want to control everything and as pop jerry's father used to say baby girl well, if you think you got it all figured out, he was from North Carolina. If you think you got it all figured out, well, life's going to come and whoop you upside the head. <laughs> whoop. <laughs> whoop. Whoop you upside the head. <laughs> my grandmother and my grandfather from Mississippi. I haven't heard whoop in a long time. <laughs> whoop in a long time. 
so so when I began steadily, one meditating, journaling, and more importantly, and along with everything else, getting help, asking for help, realizing that I was running away from old terrors. I was running away from them into activity. Well, activity for the sake of activity. Yes, I did some very interesting things and I learned a lot, but I wasn't getting to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter was that I needed to face abuse from the past, how I was used and realize that there's a different purpose. I'm here for something else. And it is not to be a showgirl. And and I realized I've never been a showgirl. Yes, I'm an artist, but that's a different thing. That's a very different thing. I can do that, da-da-da-da-da-da, but that isn't real. What's real is an incredible Mediterranean passion. That's part of who I am. I'm Spanish, I'm Cuban, I'm Italian. My middle name is passion. That's real, but the whole da-da-da-da-da-da is not. So to realize that and to realize that my vulnerability and to be honest with myself and to have the courage to drag the monsters out into the sunshine and heal them, to forgive them and to forgive myself was key in unfolding into the feeling that, wait a minute, if I can heal, I can help others heal, and that's what I'm here for. That was my aha moment, Michael, was that I'm here for something else. It's it's interesting when we sometimes, and I'm gonna ask you to ask this question to clarify to make sure. Um, Do you think you got burnt out? Was that the realization? I did, I did. I was was burned out. I thought that if I saw one more hotel, five-star or not, one more theater, one more airport, because all the airports are the same. I just thought, I, I, I just, I realized that I had no reserves left. I had nothing more to give and it had become an exercise in technique. My passion and my joy and performance had, whoosh, it was gone with the oh, wind. It was gone and only now after 20 years of silence, we're talking, that's a very long time, even though I've been teaching, I now have discovered singing again, and I'm using it in my speaking, and it is so much fun now because all of the love that I used to have for it and all of the joy at sending that vibration out and seeing someone respond to it now it's thrilling again. Before it was, yeah. oh, I just can't, I, can't, I can't do it anymore because I just had no more to give. I, I was burned out. It was absolutely burned out. Yeah, one of the things become monotonous and it just kind of takes away the joy. But just like an elf, remember elf, Will Ferrell? You know, yes, yes. Singing, singing, yes. singing, talking about singing and singing. You can sing yeah. it and it'll be kind. You can sing everything I'm talking, but I'm singing. <laughs> Absolutely. For all the world to hear. See, but see, it changes your yes. outlook on on how this all per, the perception of of what society expectation is. 
and then uh, taking that aside and and re- kind of realizing that you just needed to find yourself and you know i think th- there are many of us out there that um, have to go through that journey and are going through that journey that yes and, and to realize that we're enough michael we are enough as we are and, and i you know, be honest with you i think you know at least from my lifetime in regard to both my personal life and my professional life you know i see a lot of that a pattern with that mm-hmm. in today's society uh, at least in america in today's society and culture yes that you know in in um, when i say this it's we won't go down this rabbit hole but it's a situation that you know we as a society when you get old here in america mm-hmm. you look for a home mm-hmm. and you put somebody in a home but in in italy for example and in france in parts of europe yep. you don't put somebody in a home you bring them home and you mm-hmm. take care of them in his family yes. and yes. it's a different culture it's a different environment that they yes. nurture you because and they respect you in japan okinawa japan they do the same thing and they create these little community groups that go around to the old people who have lost somebody and they're by themselves to make sure that they're still thriving and nurturing they don't need to be put in a home here in america you know it's we had to go through this with my wife's uh, father i told yeah. you earlier about her parents living in you know, she's got a stepfather that's been her yeah. stepfather for 36 years 37 years well but her father um had Louis Valley dementia and mm. and i'm not mentioning any names so her sisters insisted that we put him in a facility and you know that was that was like no we don't we're not going to do that we just we we pulled together we sold our mm-hmm. house we sold his house and we bought a, a multi-generational home so that we put brought him in wow. with us and we have well the typical mother-in-law father-in-law suite <laughs> that you know exactly. it worked but you know it i had to change my perception in regard to that because i watched it so much in my personal professional life and i went i don't see the valid point in doing that you know i see that family should be together and you know it allowed me to take a, a different look at life i grew up in as we said at the beginning of this conversation uh i had the the benefit of growing up in a small italian community here in the united states but I learned right. some of the values that they had brought forward with living and loving and food and you know passion and understanding that family yes. is most important kind yes. of a situation. So we as individuals in today's society especially here I think that we need we we and I might be phrasing this incorrectly and you can help me you know to parlay it but it, we I think seek permission to be able to find ourselves mm. it, it i mean if, if i can say it that way we we don't always take a proactive approach for ourselves to do it we think we have to ask somebody else permission to do it amen to that michael you say do, do you think that's a, an issue that something that we I can th- overcome i think yes i think it is because we are that is part of our domestication we are told fold your hands put your head down and be quiet. That's what our educational system is still back in the dark ages and it is still preparing us to be on an assembly line. Instead of saying, speak out, be seen and lead. 
It is not asking us to do that. It is asking us to get in line and behave. And so as Don Miguel Ruiz, the one who wrote the Four Agreements says, and, and also the, um, um, I'm forgetting the, his other book on fear, which is extraordinary. It talks about how we are domesticated. We are domesticated in a way that we don't seek to fulfill ourselves. We don't seek what is beneath the shoulds that are placed upon us. And I think it's extraordinary when our particular society, what we're valuing is the image, the facade. Have you had everything lifted? Um, have you had a boob job? Have you had a, a face job? Have you had a head job? It, it's all of this um, artificial image. And we have not been taught to examine where true beauty and true power lie. And that is inside of us. And it is not in comparing ourselves to anyone else that we're going to grow, is when we have the courage to uncover ourselves. That's when we begin to grow. And I that's an extraordinary thing. I think you put it brilliantly when you said you realized you were the knight on the white horse that you've been waiting for. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all waiting for the deus ex machina to come out of the sky and rescue us. Yeah. There ain't no such thing. There yeah. is no such thing. No one is going to rescue you. You may think, I, oh, I'm, I'm in such despair in my life. I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do. Everything's gone to hell. I just don't know what I, I, I everything is horrible. Well, maybe I'll fall in love. And if I fall in love, then everything will be just fine, won't it? No, it won't. Anything you're going to do to mask the situation that is making you so uncomfortable is not going to allow you to grow. All it is is a mask. All it is is take two aspirin and call me in the morning. And that is not what allows you to grow, is to have the courage to look at yourself in the mirror when you're brushing the sweaters off your teeth in the morning and say, oh, human being, who are you? Who are you and what are you doing here? And, and I'm in pain. I need to get some help. And I don't care what kind of help you get. Is it going to a therapist? Is it doing tapping? Is it doing EFT? Is it whatever you need to do, finding groups that support you and that encourage your growth instead of your mediocrity, so that we fit in, so that everyone tells us that we have so many followers and therefore that's love. No, it isn't. It's just like being on stage and a lot of people run to the stage and to the spotlight because they think those people in the dark love you. They don't love you. If you're a really good artist and you're really doing your job well, then hopefully they never see the essence of who you are, they see this beautiful creature that you have created and placed on stage. And they're going to fall in love with that. That's not who you are. And that isn't love. What you're allowing as an artist is to allow the people in the dark to cry, to laugh, to find themselves more clearly in your performance. But that takes courage. We need to do that for ourselves. We need to embrace our shadow. 
the negative anima, the negative animus inside of us. And we have the courage to explore who on earth we are and what are we doing here. And then having the courage to take one tiny baby step and, and go forth and say, I'm going to try. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to fulfill what my heart is calling for. Are you going to be successful? There ain't no guarantees. There aren't any. That's part of the challenge of life, is are you willing to risk looking like a fool because you're following a dream and it may or may not succeed? And that's okay. That's okay. That is the challenge of earth school. That is the challenge of being alive and of being in this, in this coat that our soul is wearing. And we are the knight on the white horse that we have been waiting for. No one is going to rescue you. You have been given all the tools by the divine. You're a piece of the divine. Act like it. Cut scene as a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> no, that's that was brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Because in reality, oh, you, you know, we in life have a choice, and you know, sometimes we're presented with that choice uh, in in a forceful way. Sometimes we're presented with that choice to make of our own free will, and that's the best choice is the one that we are presented mm -hmm. with to make of our own free will because it allows us to move forward in a proactive way, just like you just said, because we have to choose to take that first step. We have to choose to take yes. that first baby step you just talked about. We have to choose to want to be better. We have to choose to want to take the layers away, peel them back yeah. up and, and let them see who we are for, rea for reality. And it's scary. It's it scary, is. Michael, isn't it? It's horrifyingly scary. 100%. You know, it. it <laughs> <laughs> Funny story. I I was calling in so many calls after I retired that the cops that would show up would say, "Sarge, you're making more arrests that you're than when you were on the job. Just relax." Because <laughs> I I just couldn't let go. You know what I mean? So we'd be driving around, and I would go, "Oh, that's right. I got to call that in. Just a minute." <laughs> you know, you can't see me pointing, but you know it. It is. It, it is hard to let go. It is hard to make the choice to let go. It yes. took, my wife will tell, me it took, will tell you it took longer, <laughs> but it takes, it took me a long time to really let go and to understand yes. that, yes, yes, I need to make that choice to move forward in life, to, to change what it, where I'm at right now, to change my circumstance and understand that I am more than what I was, but what I was helped mm. build who I am today. Exactly. And that's important. We need to honor where we were, it's not denigrate it. Let go of the pain, keep the lesson, and say thank you. Man, I, I feel yeah. like I've been in training for 60 years of my life for what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I, I, I have been in training, and it's an extraordinary thing when I think about that. How did all those years go by? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I know that I'm doing what I am called to do by my high self. I know yeah. I am. Well, and I think a contribution to the society from that perspective is a wonderful opportunity for both you and for somebody else. Because I'm, I, I know that when you help somebody reach that, those goals and to reach that realization to the, to the, the when that the curtains open and the light changes and and the spotlight comes on, 
on them and they understand that this is who I really am. I don't have to put the mask on anymore. Yes. It's got to be a wonderful feeling for that to, to really, you know, come from within. Well, when you, when you feel that feeling that you're talking about, Michael, it's, um, it's a vulnerability. You feel a little bit shaky, even yeah. talking about it right now. It makes me feel a little bit shaky, but that that's, when you get to your essence and that vulnerability and the essence rather mm -hmm. than your image, that is so potent. It is, if, if you're looking for magic, that's magic. That's magic. Magic does exist. That is magic right there is, is who you truly are and saying, here's my heart. Here it is. Here yeah. it is. Okay. I, I dare to reveal who I truly am. Is everyone going to like that? Of course not. Of course not. There's some people that are mm. going to hate it and some people that want to hurt it and some people that think it's marvelous. It's the people who need you, the ones who need what your heart mm. and your experience have to share, they'll be there. They'll be there with open arms, with open ears, and they will want what you have to share and what you have to give. Trust that. Trust that. Yeah, what an opportunity. And realistically, you know, those people you'll come to find when you go through this journey, whether you go through Audrey's program or whether you, you find another way of doing it or whether or not you do it within yourself. Realistically, you'll find, and when you get a really good look and when you open those lenses, you open your eyes, you start to see the, the, the ones that were negative and the negativity that was holding you back and you can start shedding that negativity and you can start brushing it aside and closing those doors so that yes. the negativity stays behind and the positive continues to move you forward. You'll start yes. understanding, wow, I didn't really need that person in my life because that person was holding me back from being who I am. That person was stepping on me and wasn't allowing mm -hmm. me to move forward. And, and it, it really is a wonderful opportunity to be able to kind of break free to allow yourself to become who you really are meant to be or who you should be in life. And I say should be because those, those individuals, you know, I did it as a child. I grew up, told you, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. You know, yes, I, just not like I unlike did. yours, but it, exactly. We walked that same path from that perspective. I was in a foster home for a couple of different times. You mm. know, it, it, the, 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 I, d I don't want to, when you come from any environment, whether it be the ones that you and I came from or a present one, whether you put yourself mm -hmm. in or you've ultimately ended up in an environment where you right. feel that you are being pushed down, suppressed, not being able to move forward, whether you feel that you're not being heard, whether your voice is not coming, being allowed out, or you feel that you're being oppressed in any particular way. Yes. The understanding that there's a door or a window available that you can mm. open and give you light and understand that walking through through that is going to be a better opportunity for you to change your life for the better is always a good thing. And, and the, the choice, as you spoke about earlier when, we were, when you were talking, I see choice in there. We have to choose to make that decision, to make that choice proactively to be able to walk through that door or open that window. That, that to me, is where our power lies, Michael. Yeah. Uh, is you, is we have that divine power to make choice. Yeah, I can yes. say I will no longer tolerate this. Yes. And and like Carmen says in Act Four, 
frappez-moi donc ou laissez-moi passer. Kill me or let me pass. That you get to a place mm. where you say, that's it, I'm not taking this anymore. Exactly. And when that happens, the universe moves because yes. you've reached a point where you simply will not stand for that anymore. Which is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. It's a very good mm -hmm. thing. Um, yeah. How did you, I know that you had, you, had you always at one point in your life, I know you've been involved in all kinds of creative arts and creative endeavors. Had you always wanted to be an author? No, no, it, 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 it just, it happened. It happened, Michael, because I was, I, I had written a book to help my students. I was teaching at the university and I wanted to help them um, learn to get a more realistic view of the business of show business. So I wrote Harness Your Zebra and, and it's about performance and it's about getting out there and being proactive and putting yourself out there as an emerging artist. And I was at a conference and I spoke um, two lines, three lines about this book that I had just written for, for young performers. And this woman comes up to me afterwards and says to me, yes, it was that one, that book right there. And she says to me, oh, how I wish I was an artist because I would love to get your book. I would love to work with you. And she said, but I'm not an artist. And there was a moment of silence. And I looked at her and I said, oh, but you are an artist. You're the artist of your life. And we both stopped. And I got tears in my eyes. And I realized that I was going to write a book called You Are the Artist of Your Life. And that is the one that is my bestseller. And that is, is a book and a journal. And these are just personal stories and experiences. And each chapter is only one page long. Only one page long. I had to rewrite it five times so that it became more simple and more clear and more simple. And it's, we are the artists of our lives. We get, we use the brushes of our experience to create our lives. We can make it a masterpiece or we can make it a mess. And if we don't like it, we always have the opportunity to white out the canvas, pick new colors, pick new brushes and start over. Because every day is a new life, if you're willing to see it that way. So I, what happens with me is a, a title will come to me and then a book follows. So, so I can't even explain the how or the why. It's just something that happens. It's something that happens that's and that's the, a lot of work. The universe talks to you a lot. <laughs> it, it certainly does. It's very noisy. <laughs> uh, but that's a good thing. I mean, because obviously it gives it. I mean, you, you present something that somebody can use, somebody can read, somebody can, yeah. you know, take yeah. and change their life. So that's a good thing the universe talks to you that way because it could talk to you a different way. And that's how we end up with, you know, serial killers and exactly. And You're getting like messages that. from the TV set. Absolutely. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> so, yes, it, that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Audrea, I know that you've created some uh, courses and some opportunities for individuals to improve their life dramatically through several different mediums and several different uh, uh, methodologies of life, we'll call it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about each one of those? 
Absolutely. Um, my bigger program is called the Wise Wild Woman's Life Design Formula. This is a year-long coaching program where this extraordinary group of wise wild women come together. And what do I mean by wise is those of us who are learning about ourselves. We're not 20 years old. <laughs> We're more like 45 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, and looking at our lives differently. And we go through making space for the life of our dreams. We're searching for profound fulfillment on so many different levels. My new project uh, my new group of that starts again in January, which I'm very excited about. And then I have another program, which is a 90-day program called The Brave, Bold, and Beautiful. And this is for those people who want to be able to get comfortable on camera, to be able to speak to the camera, that if you're in meetings, that you're a powerhouse instead of someone who kind of fades into the background, who is not aware of your body language, who is not using your voice well, who is not filling the screen when you are on camera. All of these things, the vocal, the visual, the verbal, when you're doing interviews and you need to be able to make commentary that the press wants to grab, so all of these things, this is also a part, I make it a bonus as my wise wild woman's life design formula. That is a big bonus in that group. So it is in every way, allowing someone to communicate their authentic self. That's where your power lies. And when we can communicate that, then we're beginning to touch the power and the profound fulfillment of finding the 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 joy of the, and the enjoyment and the the excitement of finding out who you are and actually bringing your thumbprint your soul print out into the world and i see lives change literally from one end to the other it is so exciting it is so exciting to see my clients change. And I've got clients all over this world, Finland and Australia and Italy and Spain. And it's, it's just, it is so beautiful to bring this group, this energy together so that our satisfaction and our self growth and self esteem and self love that grows sends out ripples in the world. And those ripples, that is our legacy. That is our legacy. And so I'm so proud to be the fearless leader of that and to be a wise, wild woman. I've earned every wrinkle on this face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to borrow that if you don't mind. Please. I'm going to start pointing out my crow's feet up and say, wait a minute, I earned these. <laughs> We've earned these. These are our stripes, we, darling. These are our stripes. We Absolutely. did earn these. <laughs> Uh, we gotta, worked hard for them. <laughs> I had to readjust my earbud there. <laughs> I got okay. so excited, my earbud popped out. <laughs> well, that's that's an amazing, I think, opportunity for us to be able to reconnect with our um, with ourselves and understand ourselves. You know, sometimes it takes us. It, it, it this may happen at many different age levels, but it may take us a little bit to really kind of 
get to know who we are and, and to really understand and accept who we are. And yes. from a positive perspective, not a negative perspective, to understand mm-hmm. that we all have mm-hmm. positive qualities and that sometimes the negativity will step over that and the negativity needs to push, be pushed aside so that we can recognize well, it, the positive. Michael, allow me to, to just say that it's not just pushing it aside, it's seeing it and embracing it, knowing what our shadow is. Mm-hmm. And if we don't deal with it, it, it was like when I say to you that I walked off stage and I didn't know who I was and I didn't even realize the abuse that I had gone through until I had the courage to face that, to face mm-hmm. that dark side and to heal, to take the time and the attention to heal that. Then I started becoming whole as a human. Then all of those mm, truncated bits of pain and antenna that are waving Mm. around in the air, desperately seeking to be approved of, desperately seeking to be loved. And instead the love has to come. A wise wild woman is, and and I'm talking about the feminine and the masculine as well, because a, a wonderful adjusted man has a beautiful feminine inside of him as I have a wonderful strong masculine inside of me. If we uh, embrace all of who we are, that's when we start finding, excavating the treasure of who we are. And that's what you do in your work. When you're interviewing people and you're asking us questions, you're asking us to go deep and to reveal. And and you can't just push, push something aside and assume that if I push it aside, it no longer exists. Uh, 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 uh. That's when you have to have the courage to take it that's been in the closet drag it out of the closet, drag it out into the sunshine and heal it. I love and that. that takes guts. It does. That's why I said that when I said, so you could do me that. <laughs> you are such a smarty pants. I'm you a know? smarty pants. I did it. I learned it myself <laughs> to be a smarty pants. It is. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get all kinds of phone calls. Why are you guys doing this? Because, exactly. Because Why are you having it. such a good time? <laughs> like I have Toscano blood. You have, you have, you have all these. So I have to. I just have Calabrian to. and Spanish and Cuban. And thank but God I, for the Cuban. <laughs> my, my, believe it or not, I have DNA that goes back by my father's side to northern Spain and oh, southern cool. France as well. Ooh. And I've got Irish, and I can speak with an Irish accent, but not as well as I used to. I used to be able to do a really good Irish accent, <laughs> but I stopped drinking pints of beer, and it keeps slipping into Scottish. <laughs> so my Irish turns to Scottish. Exactly, I hear that. But it's oh. it's, it's all about fun in life, right? You know, if you can't have oh, fun in goodness, life, goodness, yes, everybody oh, needs yes. to smile, and everybody needs to have a good time, and and enjoy life a little bit. And not take ourselves so seriously. So seriously, exactly. Really, really, we mustn't. <laughs> Do you have any tips that uh, we um, can work on right now that we can utilize to help us to start opening that door to understanding who we are and, and ourselves? And then, you know, taking that step towards getting help into uncovering it completely. And can you help us with maybe some steps with that? Yes, I would love to. I think the first, the very first thing that we need to do to begin the journey home to your authentic self 
is to first accept exactly where you are. You know when you go to a mall and there's the directory and the directory has a big red dot and the big red dot says you are here. And you may say, yeah, well, I don't want to be here. I, I, I don't want to be here. I want to be over there. I want to go to Macy's. I want to go to Bloomingdale's. I'm, no, the dot says you are here. And while that may sound extremely simple, that first realization of accepting exactly where you are, you are maybe in a relationship that doesn't make you happy. You are in a job that you are upset with. It makes you feel horrible instead of wonderful. You're not feeling fulfilled. Whatever it is, and wherever you are in whatever that condition is, you need to say honestly to yourself, this is where I am. This is where I am, and the acceptance is absolutely huge. It may sound very simple, but it is a lot deeper than we think it is because we like, because we're intelligent, we have brains, and we like to pretend a lot of times what is there is not there. Oh, that doesn't really bother me so much, but I'm spending so much energy trying to pretend that something doesn't exist. I'm trying to pretend that I'm happy. I'm trying to pretend that I'm fulfilled. I'm taking care of everyone else so that I'm not noticing the lack and the, the hole that is in inside of me that is saying, I want more. So I call it AAA. It is accept, first of all, where you are. Secondly, it is ask for what you want. Do you realize that most of us ask only for what we think we can get? Hmm. I didn't know that. We do. We ask only for what we think we can get. We're afraid to ask for what we really want because we're afraid we're going to be disappointed. And then, let's say you realize where you are. You have asked for what you want. There is profound silence from the universe and nothing is changing. So what are you going to do? Ah, that's when that little tiny word act comes into being. Because the divine cannot course correct if you're sitting in a Maserati and it's not in gear, you haven't stepped on the gas pedal. You actually, one, have to know where you are to know where you want to go. Two, you have to have the courage to ask for what you truly want which you may not even have allowed yourself to think about it because you think it's so impossible or that it's wrong or that it's selfish because that's what you've been taught. And then thirdly, that little step called act is huge. It's huge. If you are willing to take a baby step toward what it is that you think you might want, that doesn't mean that you have to commit to it for the rest of your days. You have to give it a try because you haven't done that before. 
And back to asking, there's another thing in asking that heals relationships. Why? Because you're healing communication. Because if you say something to me, Michael, and I don't understand what you're saying, but I'm trying to be cool. I hate that to me. That is my hated four letter word It's cool because it's fake. So rather than ask you, Michael, what did you mean by that? I didn't understand that. No, I'm trying to be cool and I'm trying to show you how intelligent I am and how I know about everything that there is to know. And then I'm proceeding on an erroneous assumption that what you meant was A, B, and C, and you were talking about E, F, G, but I didn't ask you about it. So just those three things, start those right now, don't wait. Find your directory in your heart. Sit down and give yourself 10 minutes. On YouTube, I have a video called, Who Do You Think You Are? <laughs> because my mother used to say that to me with her hands on her hips. Who do you think you are, Queenie? And well, it took me a long time, but I finally do know who I am. But I had to fight through all of the shoulds. And I had to, I always say, take both hands and get over myself until I know who I am. So accept yeah. where you are. Have the courage to ask for what you want. And if you don't understand something, ask, ask, keep asking until you understand. Because in communication, there is love. In communication, there is success. In communication, there is direction and focus. And then when you start acting, then the universe can take you, the Maserati, that's in gear with your foot on the gas, and start moving you just where your heart wants to go. It's, it seems magical if you're actually willing to do these little things. I it think can it's, make such a difference. Yeah, an amazing opportunity. Uh, it is. I, I, have, I have two questions, or two things. Vinnie Barbarino, when you were talking about you know, acting cool, Vinnie Barbarino, <laughs> if, you look, if you go back and watch the old, which I don't even know if it's on TV anymore, Welcome Back Carter, Vinnie always acted know. cool, but when he was by himself, he didn't act cool. <laughs> he was just acting cool because he thought he didn't <laughs> act cool. This was cool, supposed to be. And number two, how did you know I was thinking of a Maserati? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask that, because that's my. That's it, that's my car. That's um, your car? It's a because you like the things that are beautiful, bellissimo. and they are Italian, and they are bellissimo, and they make your heart feel so good that you don't know what to do with yourself. Bravo, that's it, that, that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> this has been an absolute amazing conversation with you, and I really appreciate the fact we connected. And uh, what a wonderful journey that you've had in life that gave you the tools and the power to pass on to others, to pass the torch in a very unique way. Um, explain to everybody, if you will, how they can reach you in regard to all of those tools and those wonderful opportunities. Wonderful. Yes, please. Come to Audrea. Firestone and Adria is spelled A D R I A, AdriaFirestone.com forward slash welcome. And you can get a free report about the wise wild woman's path to rapid change. And you can also enroll with a 20 minute 
conversation with me where we talk about all about you, about where you want to go, what your heart is longing for. I would love to do that. And you can join me on my group and Facebook. And I would love you to come into the Wise Wild Woman's Life Design Formula. Oh, let's make 2024 your year, our year, when we have the courage to go forth and prosper and be authentically who we are, to discard the image, embrace the essence, and oh, wow, we can make such a difference on this planet. Oh, come join me. I would love it. <laughs> I yeah, would just we, love it. We, are, we should all follow that advice. Go forth <laughs> and prosper reminds me of Spock. Go forth and prosper. Uh, can there you can go. I do that? Yes, there we go. I can't do that anymore, so <laughs> I'll take yours. Uh, uh, okay. What she did, what Audrey did. <laughs> what Audrey did. <laughs> uh, as I oh, said. Oh, Michael, this was, oh, my heart is, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Thank uh, you. Oh, thank, thank you. for sharing yourself and, and, and for inviting me. And I've, I've so enjoyed this. I, my face hurts from smiling. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling the same thing. That's I say I laughed so hard my earbud popped out. <laughs> I bet you've probably never heard that one before. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't. Not at all. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation. It really has. And I'm uh, very grateful that uh, that you've come into my life from this perspective. And, you know, I look forward to having another conversation. I could talk for another hour, but we'll save that for maybe another show. I would show. love it. I would love it. Okay. Yeah. Yes, let's we'll do that. We'll save it for another show. Um, okay. This is one more thing before you go, and we are running out of time just a little bit, but um, this is one more thing before you go. I always ask, as you may have just said it, but I'm still going to dig deep. I'm going to be the director. I, I know that you, you kind of stepped off stage, and but I'm going to be the director. Could you dig deep down inside? Give us some words of wisdom, please, before we go. Rumi. Rumi said, everything you want... Look inside yourself. You are already that. Brilliant words of wisdom. What a, <laughs> what a, what a great way to end the show. <laughs> Again, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. I will make sure that there are links in the, the show notes to get to you and how to find you. It'll be easy for somebody just to click on that little link to take you right to your website and your welcome website. I will make sure that that gets put in there correctly so they can sign up for this. And this can be people from, from all ages and, and Absolutely. men, women. Yes. You know, yes. Reach out, take that first step, make that choice. Yes. 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 For it everyone out there, thank you very much for joining this conversation with us. We really enjoyed having you here. And one more thing before you all go, have a great day, have a great week. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.